Hey, how you doing? Today on the podcast, how to handle information overload, and I'm bringing in Trevor Farns, CEO and co-founder at Mountain Ops, on how to survive and thrive through multiple business failures. Ready? Let's go. You know how you sometimes feel stuck? Like you're drifting through life, going through the motions? Then you're in the right place. Find your purpose. Live your passion. Let's go. What you don't know can hurt you, right? But what if knowing too much can hurt you even more? You know, Albert Einstein said, information is not knowledge. That's so true, isn't it? I mean, people used to think the reason we had big problems or the reason some people were more successful than others was all about a lack of information. If people could just get their hands on the right information, then we could solve everything. Well, the internet proved that wasn't true, didn't it? More information? Same and sometimes worse problems. Jean Baudrillard said this, We live in a world where there is more and more information and less and less meaning. Oof. You know, we've never had more information available with just a few computer keystrokes, right? Listen to this. Google has an estimate now that there are 300 exabytes of human-made information in the world today. That means 300 followed by 18 zeros. What? I can't even comprehend that. Yeah, okay, so let me break it down. Just four years ago, there were only 30 exabytes. So what that means is in the last few years, we have created and stored more information than in all of human history before then. What? But just having a ton of information is not enough. Sometimes it's just too much. We can't handle it. We can't take it all in. We can't even wade through it all to find the good stuff. We need to find the most important information and figure out what it means and how to use it, but it's coming at us through a fire hose and it's overwhelming. Greg, calm down. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I'm not sure, man. I'm just not sure. I love what Clay Shirky said about it, though. It's not information overload. It's filter failure. Yeah, so what he means is it's not that there's too much information. It's great to have tons of information. We've got to filter it down to what's good and what's relevant and what's helpful and what we need. So as I was freaking out over this yesterday and I was just meditating and praying and thinking about it, I remembered a time when I was prepping for my radio show. I mean, I used to just love to get as much information as possible about current events and politics and everything I was talking about. And so I'd printed out over 150 pages of news stories. Now, that means I had to read 150 pages of news stories, arrange them, get ready for the show. It was only a three-hour show, and I knew there was no way I could hit all those stories, even with the three hours of airtime. But I didn't want to miss anything. I wanted to know everything. I wanted to be prepared just in case but that was impossible. And I reminded myself of something. My show was always better when I focused my time on the best three big stories, three mid-sized stories, and three short kicker fun stories. And that gave me time to read through the big stories from several different sources so I could know them inside and out, so I could come up with ways to explain them simply and quickly to people who were driving in their cars, so I could create unique angles and opinions on them that they'd never heard before, and I could add humor to the mix as well. Then I was doing a great show. So how could you apply that idea to your life? I mean, how about when you're trying to learn something new for work or when you're reading books and listening to podcasts to change your life like this? See, if we spend all our time consuming the information, 
then we don't have any time to use it. You ever get that situation where you're just, oh man, that was a great book. I love that book. It had so many great things on it. Oh, there's another new book. Let me read that book. Oh, that was another one. Or that podcast was awesome. So many great ideas. But if you never implement them, then what does it really do? See, if we spend all our time consuming that information, we don't have time to use it. When do we get time to think about what we've learned? When do we get time just to sit and be still and contemplate? When do we get time to focus on our families or our friends or God? I like what Alfred Glossenbrenner said, with so much information now online, it's exceptionally easy to simply dive in and drown. So what can you do to stop the information overload in your life and focus on the information that makes your life better? I'm glad you asked. I've got some action steps. We need to prioritize the information that will most benefit you physically, mentally, emotionally, and determine the best way for you to receive it. If this resonates with you, I want you to have a free gift from me. It's my ebook, Five Steps to Finding Your Passion and Purpose. Get it at my website, gregorybnapp.com. The information's in the show notes. You have to acknowledge that you're living in a world of information overload in your work and personal life. And much of it is depressing and self-defeating. So if you don't prioritize what you take in and when you consume it, you can be sabotaging yourself, your mood, and eventually your life. So number one, focus on putting positive things in your mind. There are so many great books and podcasts and songs and shows that are uplifting. Focus more on those. Now, I get that you want to keep up with the news. You want to keep up with social media. But how many horrible stories that you can't do anything about do you really need to read every day? And how much time do you want to spend watching other people's fake highlight reels and comparing them to your real life? How many movies or TV shows with awful characters stabbing each other in the back do you really need to watch? The best question to ask is, how is it helping you? Or how is it hurting you? Number two. Set limits on how much information you're going to consume each day, no matter how good it is. It could be how many minutes you're going to spend online, watching the news, reading books, listening to podcasts, whatever. Number three, schedule time each day to then think about the good information you've consumed and, if applicable, create an action plan to actually start doing things and then start doing them. So think about the stuff you've taken in. What does it mean? What does it mean to your life and the lives of your loved ones? How can you actually use it? Go ahead and use it. Can you teach it to someone else? See, when you do that, that helps them and it helps you really lock in your learning. The best way to learn something is to teach someone else how to do it. And then number four, schedule time each day to pray and meditate on what you've learned. Then go for a walk and let your mind drift. You're going to be surprised what happens when you do. Let's go. If this resonates with you, I want you to have a free gift from me. It's my ebook, Five Steps to Finding Your Passion and Purpose. Get it at my website, gregorybnapp.com. The information's in the show notes. I'm bringing in Trevor Farns, CEO and co-founder at Mountain Ops, and he's going to talk to us about his purpose and how to survive and thrive through multiple business failures. Trevor, how you doing? Doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad to have you, man. I just want to start, you know, my, my whole thing is about purpose. So what is your awesome. purpose? Such a good question. And I, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about that lately and in different realms of life, you know, I might have a different purpose, but I, I think I can 
almost wrap it up into one one statement, which is to awaken the divine within individuals that God has allowed me to come in contact with in life. And, and you know, to not um, kind of compartmentalize that into different purposes of life or different segments, I, I really can kind of just bring it into that one and say, that's what I try to do with my children in, in our home. It's what I try to do with the people I work with here at Mountain Ops, my team members, uh, with the customers that we work with. If I can help to bring about in their life, some of the gifts and the qualities that uh, that God has given them, then I, I feel like I'm doing the the purpose that God, on a spiritual level, that I feel, you know, uh, he he wants me to do in this life. And so I'm I'm a faith based individual, and and if I could kind of put it into one statement, it would be that just awaken the divine within individuals. That's really cool. Can you explain a little bit to somebody maybe who isn't super faith based? What does it mean to awaken the divine? And I, I believe that all of us come to this earth with um, divine qualities, with uh, talents, gifts, and uh, responsibilities. And and sometimes it's difficult with all the confusion, with all the noise of life. To um, and and a lot of times it's the comparison of life you see on social media and everything, what everyone's doing and how they're doing it. And you think, man, you compare your worst day to their best on social media. And so sometimes it's hard for people to understand who am I? What am I about? Just like you just asked me, what's your purpose? It's, it's hard for people to understand that at times. And whether they're faith-based or not, they, they can recognize the, the gifts within them as having been divinely you know, created or just like each of us have divine qualities or qualities and talents and abilities. And, and sometimes people just need somebody to tell them, hey, here's what I see in you. Here's, here's the good that you have. And, you know, whether they recognize that that comes from God or not, it doesn't really matter. I, I think that, uh, you know, if they can ultimately recognize that there's, there's blessings that come from that knowledge, but um, just people feeling good about who they are, the talents they've been given, the gifts they have and how they might be able to even contribute those um, in life to, to the betterment of their lives and the lives of others. I, I, I that's how I see it. So yeah, I love it. That's great. And as you say, whether you are uh, a Jesus follower or not, or whether you believe in God or not, it's a universal that everybody feels something inside that they were put here for a reason. It's, it's I believe, why yeah. the number one question everybody struggles with is, why am I here? What yeah. what is What is the point of it all, right? And I'm a Jesus follower, and and man, I go back to Ecclesiastes where uh, Solomon's talking about how uh, eternity has been placed in the human heart, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that can fill that except Jesus for me, um, for yeah. other people, whatever the divine is for your life. And you've got to be able to tap into that to be fully alive and and to experience the joy that you were meant to have. And to me, it's by looking at, okay, if I do believe there's a higher power than myself and I was created and I was created with talents and gifts and desires, and I believe Jesus wants me to grow those to help other people, then I've got to figure out what that is. That's, that's my calling as I've got, and, and the way to do that is to turn to him for us. It would be to turn inside of the Holy spirit and let him guide you. For other yeah. people, would be at least to try to tune into that higher power, whatever you believe it is, so that you can be living your life on purpose. Who wants to live a purposeless life? Even even yeah. if you have no belief in God whatsoever, you got to believe you have a purpose, or that's got to be a pretty 
empty existence, I would think. 100%. I completely agree. And so, the, I, I mean, if you can help one, one individual do that, first and foremost, doing it for yourself and finding that purpose, that passion, a connection. You know, my life has been all about connection and it's been connection to family. It's been connection to team uh, members here. Most importantly, a connection to God. And, uh, and so that most importantly, he being my priority, you know, when I think of him, I think celestial. And so then that, that it becomes my perspective in life for you. You said eternities, you know, you, you think of it that way. And then everything that happens to you or for you in life, you try to apply it that way. And that's where, okay, these divine qualities, these divine perspectives that our eyes are open. If we can think celestial, think eternal, then everything in life begins to take on a little bit more meaning and the progress in life starts to happen. And, and, you know, today it's a little better today than yesterday. Tomorrow it's a little better tomorrow than today. And, and that's a, a eternal progression for me. And, and I'm thinking celestial that way. It's not going to happen today, but today I can be a little bit better than yesterday. And that's, uh, that's honestly what mountain ops is all about our company here. It's, it's that, eternal progression, but taking it one day at a time, little bite-sized pieces, you know, and uh, one step at a time on this journey of a thousand miles, it takes one single step, but those steps need to be directional as well. And that's why I think if you can look to the divine, look to the qualities you're, you're given and have a destination in mind, whether it's within a goal setting atmosphere at work, or whether it's a spiritual setting on for your eternities, like the directional steps we take in life that are intentional towards that destination are so important not just making decisions but making directional decisions and steps yeah and then when you start taking those steps if you're on a really good purposeful path every one of those steps can bring joy with it you don't have to wait till some future date with some goal that you set that's 20 years from now you can have joy in every step because you know you're you're on your life's path that you were designed for. I think that's, it's so countercultural, so you know, because yeah. we hear so much. I, I just want to, I want to get rich. I want to start my own company. I want to do this. I want to do that. And all those things could be great, but I've found, and I think most people find, and I'll go to Ecclesiastes again, that Solomon found, he tried all the riches in the world, all the women in the mm -hmm. world, all the decadence in the world, everything he could think of. And he's like, man, this is like chasing the wind. This is all vanity. Yeah. And then he said, but if I'm on, if I'm doing everything for a bigger purpose, if I was doing everything for God or whatever it is that you feel is your bigger purpose, then there's nothing better than to enjoy the toil of every day. And, and because it means something and it matters and it's, and, and you're in line with what you're supposed to do. And that, that's why I think it's so countercultural because so many people are looking for that quick get rich scheme or that, that, that business that's going to make them a billion dollars or whatever. And so many people get there and they realize this is it. This, I, yeah. I don't feel like I thought I was going to feel. Whereas if you get in line with that path, then you can feel this joy every day because you wake up like you are Trevor saying, okay, I'm going to help one person awaken the divine today while I do everything else I'm doing that also helps people do that. And then you can just be excited about everything you're doing. It's, it's yeah. something that that's part of my purpose is just try to get people to understand the joy that comes with that, the benefits for you and for others. It's almost like we were designed that way, you know, to maybe yeah. help others. And, and, and all True. of a sudden you come alive. It's awesome. 
I love the word joy that you're using. It's actually um, this last year, we had nine core values of mountain ops, and then we added three more. It sounds like a lot of core values, right? We both came from a conference together where they talked about the black sheep values and narrowing them down to five. We've got 12. We have one for every month. And um, the one that we added in for the month of December um, for this year is joy. And I've taken all the core values um, that my parents have taught me in life as a child for my foundation, everything. And I put them in place that way. My mom always, her favorite word is joy. And she always used it as an acronym, Jesus, others, yourself, kind of in that order, you know, and, and having him be the priority. Then you look to others to serve him as Jesus would have you. And then you, you, you work on yourself as well. But, and, and through that, you find joy. And there's a quote that we put inside of our statement for our core value that goes something like this. It's, it's a, the joy we feel in life has nothing to do with the circumstances of our life and everything to do with the focus of our life. And so you can be going through some of the hardest of hard times or struggling to figure out what your purpose is and whatnot, or everything in life could be happening to you. And those are circumstances that we're all going to face, but you can still feel joy, just like you're stating. And that's if your focus is on the right things. And really my mom's acronym had nothing to do with numbers or wealth or finance. It, it had everything to do with just focusing on loving individuals the way that, uh, you know, Jesus Christ taught us to and, and, uh, and then joy is experienced. And so I, I love that that's uh, you know, a word you just brought up because it's super meaningful for me and uh, my foundational experience as a child, but now, you know, finding joy in my journey every single day of life. And it's sometimes can be hard. There's distractions, there's difficulties, but those don't need to deter me away from the divine feeling of joy that I feel God wants us to feel in this journey. That's so good. Uh, a friend of mine said, the problem with happiness is it's based in happenings. Mm -hmm. And you so, can't yeah. control all of the happenings. But the great thing about joy is you can have joy in all circumstances uh, if you're talking along the lines of what we're talking yeah. about today. So I, yeah. I just think that that's so cool. So tell me the story of how you found your purpose. Um, you know, I it's it's interesting to... I, I found my purpose within business at a certain point. I could say, okay, this was the moment, but I feel like that purpose of awakening the divine, it like kind of naturally grew as I, as I grew up and, and the different things I was taught and in the household that I was, that I grew up in, um, it, it was taught that way. And so it's just kind of naturally something that grew and grew as you mature over time. You're like, okay, I, I want to do more for people to help them understand their true identity in life and, and to find joy in that and to find peace in that, to find confidence. Um, but then, you know, within business, it was, there was a, a time where my father needed some help. And, uh, from a health perspective, he had a few stents put in his heart. Um, he had had, uh, uh the doctors tell him you'll have open heart surgery in five years, um, uh, very bad neuropathy, very poor circulation. His dad died of a heart attack. My other grandfather died of a stroke. So we had a history of heart disease in my family. And, uh, and during that time, I was just coming off of multiple business failures, feeling pretty down on myself, wondering about my potential, you know, not necessarily my divine potential, but can I succeed? Can I provide? Can I, you know, I was a young husband, young father at the time, trying my wings and my, I felt like my responsibilities were to provide, preside and protect. And I, and I, for a period of time, I felt like I did a great job. I was prepping for this and then we went off on our own and all of a sudden, these failures hit. And I felt like, man, I, I don't know if I'm very good. Uh, I don't know what to do. Uh, but I found some purpose 
in helping my father and it became something that just drove me. Um, I read a book that talked about how to, uh, how to produce nitric oxide in the body, which is a signaling molecule to dilate the blood vessels and arteries. It was exactly what my father needed at the time. They were trying to do this with putting the stents in his heart and that helps to, to, you know, keep him from having a heart attack and to increase blood flow, but he needed more additional help. And I found a way to create a product, put him on it. And then I felt like, okay, here's, here's part of my purpose within business, but there was so much more to it than that. I was providing a product that allowed my father to, to live and to contribute in life with his divine qualities and to awaken that divine in him, you know, to just live and to experience life in a meaningful way and to not be worrying about the health issues that were, that were kind of keeping him from some of those things. And then I started to do that with multiple people through doctor's offices, their patients, their different customers. And, uh, and so I found purpose in helping them with health issues that would allow them kind of the freedom and the ability physically to do things uh, that they would want to do in life to con contribute in uh, those divine ways that they, that they might feel like they should. And so that was one of those instances where it like took me in a trajectory within business that allowed me to apply that purpose. But those purposes came from just years and years of great parenting by my parents, uh, great siblings. I'm the sixth of seven kids. And so I had, uh, you know, awesome, awesome siblings around me that were setting great examples. You know, I, I took time when I was 18 to go on a mission for my church and just serve people in Mexico. So there's all these little stepping stones along the way where it was like, I, I'm starting to understand who I am and what God needs me to do. And that in turn helped me understand how I wanted to instill that in others and, and to give them that same eye-opening experience as to, you know, this connection with maybe a higher power for them that would help bring about those divine qualities in them. So, yeah, I love that. And, and I think it's real important for people to hear too, that your purpose is not always some lightning strike moment. You know, there mm -hmm. doesn't always have to be a burning bush. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it happens over time. And there's no one right way. Everybody might go through their path a, a different way. Some people do get hit by lightning like that. Some people, it is a slow burn over time. Some people, something big happens in their life, like happened to your dad. And that kind of pushes them yeah. in another direction. Uh, I always tell people, hey, you know, you should be tur turning inward, finding the things you like, that you're good at, that that bring you joy and make you come alive and then and then start going in that direction. And if it's going well, keep going. And if it's not, yeah. all right, then try another one and not get focused on this. I have to make the perfect decision or I'm not going to do anything. I think that paralyzes yeah. a lot of people because there is no perfect decision. I, I, I like the idea of you, you make the best right decision you can make right now and then try and make it even righter. You know, once you've made it, make it work, you know, and if it doesn't, yeah. all right, then let that go and, and try something else. And, and if also, it doesn't. Sorry, if it doesn't yeah. and you have to pivot, there might be something to that pivot. And the reason why it didn't happen, like I wouldn't be where I'm at today had we not been through those financially struggling times. There's some things we're doing today that gave us perspective that we just would not have had. So I tried to see what God was teaching me in those moments where we were pivoting. Things weren't going exactly how we had penciled them out, but that was okay. It didn't feel okay at the time, but we had to have the mentality and the resilience to say, okay, something is supposed to be learned from this because we felt strongly about this. And so if we felt so strong, there had to have been something. And it can't always be that things just worked out perfectly. Like if I look at my life, the greatest things that have occurred to me didn't work out perfectly, but they sent me in a different direction 
that was maybe the next step towards an increase in whatever it was we were seeking after, you know? And so I, I just feel like in those moments, there might be the nugget of truth, the, the direction, the eye-opening perspective that you need that is going to propel you to the thing that you should be doing in a, that you can magnify. So, Yeah, never waste time with a failure or what we think is a failure. I couldn't agree more because you're always learning something and it may be preparing you for the next, the next thing. You know, my background before I got into radio was mental health counseling. And so, you know, I went back and I got my master's in counseling. I did counseling with children and families and I did behavior problems and I did uh, uh, inpatient people that were being brought in by the police and all these kind of things. And then I move into radio and I know a lot of people are like, well, boy, you wasted that master's degree. <laughs> I'm like, man, I've, I learned so much in how to talk to people that I used yeah. in interviewing people on the air. I learned so much on how to think through things and organize my thoughts that I used in organizing a radio show. I mean, you never know how you're going to use the things you've been through. And so, yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I couldn't agree more with you on that. You know, I also wanted to back up just a second because there may be some people listening that are like, man, these guys are all touchy-feely about Jesus <laughs> and feelings and joy, and I just want to get my business on track. Man, I, you know, when I, when, when, when I go speak places, I'm speaking to business leaders about purpose and joy because if you want a business that really does well for the long haul and attracts really good employees and keeps them, then you need to focus on purpose and joy because otherwise yeah. you're churning through people, you're churning through clients, you're churning through vendors and, and you're just not enjoying life very much. And you think, Oh, I'm just working hard on my business. Yeah. But you know, you could be enjoying it and working hard in your business. It's going to be hard work, but I, yeah. I'm just trying to remind people that maybe have never thought about this before, man, it's not just touchy feely. It's, it's how we're wired. And if you can help people get through that, it's huge. You know, you're being a little bit, um, uh, humble in, in this story of, of everything you went through, because you have an amazing story of how much you went for it in your business and how much it just totally went wrong. And then how you turned it all around and the great story of your dad. So, um, is, is all that in your book, in your new book, uh, the conquer code? Yeah. The and the book's, for- the book's not out yet. So if you're listening to this, uh, in the next probably four to five months, it, it, it'll, it'll be sometime next year when you can find it. But uh, yeah, that's, it's all in there. It all touches on each of those steps we took and the kind of the mountains we were facing and the, the climb that it was and the risks that we took. We, we took some major risks as a, as a young couple, my wife and I, you know, we, we built up, saved up enough to go out on our own, which was the ultimate goal. We put a lot of money away for a handful of years until we felt like, okay, now's the time. And then went out and, uh, and I don't know if you want me to get into some of that or just refer people to the book, but yeah, we took some risks and it was real and we still continue to take them today. And we, we understand that that's, uh, you, you have to kind of test, learn and apply in life. And sometimes those tests te- teach you an expensive lesson. Sometimes it's, it's the, what you need though. And, uh, and we definitely experienced that. Yeah, no, I, I would love for you to tell the story and, and don't forget to, um, send me a message when that book comes out so I can tell everybody yeah. that the book's coming out. But yeah, I would love you to take us through just a little bit of that because I think it'll inspire people um, who have had some failures in business or are wondering if they should do it. 
because um, I know that you you tried to start several things at once and it was rough. Yeah, yeah, it was it was extremely rough. Um, you know, I, we were young. We had just I, at the time we had two little girls. Um, we uh, I, I can't remember how many years into marriage we we've been married now twenty years, but. Um, the goal all along, I worked for a few brothers that were very entrepreneurial minded and, uh, I got the bug at a young age and wanted to, wanted to do that. But I worked for them for a while, learned from them and started putting away some of what we were making, working for them, uh, into a savings to ultimately start our own business. And 2007 was when we decided to do that. We felt like we had enough. We felt uh, courageous enough. Um, and, uh, we did two investments initially one was in real estate and and honestly had we known what was right around the corner in 2008 would have ran the other way um and so that one didn't pan out but the bigger one where we invested a lot of cash into it and most of our time was into a franchise deal um and we were young like i mentioned very ambitious and maybe just not super smart maybe there's some dumb decisions in this but we decided to open up seven franchises instead of one you know there's there's an opportunity in life to to scale things and we decided to just try to go at it all at once. We, we wanted to make it work that felt like the right thing to do. Um, hindsight's 2020. We should have bought one store, seen how it went, you know, and then build upon that. But we did seven. After the stores opened up and this was after we, you know, built out seven stores. We were paying lease, you know, lease fees on seven stores. Uh, we hired seven friends to run those stores. We bought inventory for all those stores. So you can imagine this was a, this was a lot of an, a, a lot of investment um, into this. And three months after opening it, the franchise or gets shut down uh, by an agency. And we all had to put everything on, on pause, on hold. And uh, there was a lot of franchises that had been sold in this franchise uh, during a six month period of time. I think we kind of went tried to go biggest in that and buying that many all at once. And, uh, and we had all these landlords that we had signed personal guarantees on for five years. And so we, those, those leases were about four to $7,000 a month, depending on lo the location. And all of a sudden we couldn't bring in revenue. We couldn't sell what we were supposed to be selling. I, I was paying guys without any revenue coming in and they needed their jobs. They needed to be there. And so um, cash flow all of a sudden became a reality. Um, working capital became a reality. Um, and what I found is most things take more money and more time than you anticipate. So just plan on that. Um, but we found ourselves in a world of hurt. And all of a sudden, we weren't paying our mortgage. We weren't paying our car payments. My daughter ended up in the hospital. She's two month old, months old at the time. Spent a week in the hospital. There was a mix up in insurance going from being employed to self-employed. And they wouldn't insure that. And so she had to take medications for three years that she was uninsurable for. And so we just, we had all these medical bills stacking up and it was one thing after another that just really put me into this place of, am, am I meant to succeed in any, in any kind of way? You know, I had a great job before. Should I just go back and do that? I have a wife that she kept that goal in mind of like, our goal was to build a business that we could support people, whether that was our employees, our family, or something on the side where we found something we could contribute to. And she just said, we're not going to, we're not going to give up on that dream. We might need a pivot and we might need to learn what we are learning from this and apply it to the next and just figure things out. So she helped me start some other businesses. And in, in total, we started about six businesses before one finally started to take off. And so just one thing after another and going into debt, using credit cards, and not paying our mortgage, we, we were in a world of hurt. Um, and with little kids, really, they didn't care. They didn't know. They just wanted our time and attention. They wanted me to come home and they'd sing, I'm so glad when daddy comes home, all that kind of stuff, you know. 
And, uh, but there's a dad that had the weight of the world on his shoulder. And I felt like I wasn't able to give them the time and attention that they needed. And I'm a very intentional uh, individual with my wife and my children. I wanted to give them valuable time, attention, experiences in life. Uh, they really didn't care. They just wanted my time. It was all, they didn't need to have all the fancy things. They were too young to understand that at the time, but food was something that I just struggled with. My wife and I both just, we've got to feed them. They've got to have those simple things. And oftentimes our pantry was, was empty and my ego was in the way. I didn't want to tell my seven, my, all my, my family, my siblings, my parents that we were struggling. I, I, we had just built this business and within three months it was shutting down. Like it, it was shut down quicker than it would, it had gone up. And so I was just, I was letting ego get in the way. Didn't want to talk to neighbors about it. Wanted them to think that I was succeeding in the things that I was doing. So we just tried one thing after another. It became very transactional. And I'm not a transactional business leader. I'm a, I'm a mission-driven, principle-based business leader. I have to have a mission. I have to have a purpose that like we've talked about. And I started to realize as the bank account you know, was draining down to zero, um, my desire to just find transactions was going up because I needed to replace what we were losing. And I was losing myself in that whole process, in that whole transaction. And, um, and so that's when my father came into play at, at this very time. He was having these heart issues and had the stents put in his heart. And I just happened to come across this book called No More Heart Disease. And it typically wasn't the type of book I'd read. I, I like, you know, self-help, improvement, faith-based books, that type of thing. But this was more science-based, um, talked about a molecule called nitric oxide. I wouldn't normally dive into that. But because of what was happening with my father, I thought this, this might be interesting. I'm looking for my, my next business failure. You know, I was looking for the next move. And uh, I read this book, took the book to a chemist, asked him to help me create a product that would bring some circulation benefits to my father. And we put my father on the concoction he helped me create. And within three days, he started to feel the thing that his fingers and toes again. And um, just a, a tingling sensation at first, and then it kind of got improved over time. And so I knew I was onto something, but I had no resources to put behind this. So I went to my brothers and asked if they would invest in this in this product opportunity with me. And they invested enough to help me buy 350 bottles from the manufacturer. The manufacturer worked with me. That's not typically a, a run size they would do, but they kind of understood where I was coming from and understood the passion I had for helping my father and him being the purpose behind it all. And uh, had some people come together to help me get that off the ground. And I just started to do everything, building websites, designing labels, you know, shipping the product, the orders that came through, taking customer service calls, which was very beneficial for me because I started to learn all aspects of, of business and what it took and, and what needed to be true in certain realms of the business um, to see things succeed. And so as I've now built a bigger business, I understand each, each aspect, not in great detail now because it's grown to a capacity that I wasn't a part of, but I, I did things in, in the business that every individual here is doing now. And so I can, I can empathize with them. I understand. And I can also hold people accountable to, to what needs to happen. And that's when we started to see a little bit of, uh, of success where this product we had created for my father started to sell. And it started to sell through doctor's offices, actually. Um, they were, uh, it was a ch chiropractor that bought the first, uh, I think it was 12 bottles on our website. And without trying to act excited about that, I called him up the next day and didn't want him to know it was the first order, but, you know, uh, thanked him for the order, asked him why he was buying it. And he needed it for his patients that had blood pressure and neuropathy issues, the exact reasons why I'd build it for my father. And so 
instead of trying to be this online sensation in the supplement world, I just started knocking doors. I started going to every chiropractic office I could. And so sometimes, you know, you just got to get into the, into the weeds, into the trenches, and you got to start knocking doors. And that's what we had to do. It was, I mean, I mean, we had to do anything we could to get the word spread about this product. And, and that's how it initially started. And then four years later, as that business was growing, things were going a little bit better for my family. Food was still kind of the topic of conversation. We've got to, we've got to put some good things in the pantry for these kids. You know, um, it was just the bare necessities. We even started to crack our own wheat. We had a food storage that we had set up during financially good times that we thought we'd use for a natural disaster. We ended up using it for our personal disaster. And so fortunately we had that food um, that we had been encouraged by some ecclesiastical leaders to, to put in place. And we now knew why we had it and we needed it. Um, but uh, there was an opportunity that we found and this is where Mountain Ops comes into play, um, where I was working with some marketers and, and they were doing some marketing for that business of ours. And they were telling me about all the marketing they were doing in the hunting space. And I just said, is there a place for supplements within hunting? And their eyes went wide and they said, yes, there's this huge hunter athlete movement. This is in 2014 now. And uh, there's no real consumable brand going after this customer. It's uh, the hunting space is a little bit behind the times as far as mainstream media and product and everything. And these were individuals that didn't shop in GNC, didn't go to Gold's Gym. They work out in God's Gym. And there was no consumable product um, that, that was leading the way for this hunter-athlete movement. But I had been selling these products and creating them for the last four and a half years now. So I had a really good grasp on what would work and, and how it could apply now to these individuals that were out in the mountains for long periods of time. But during their workday as well, they needed increased energy and stamina. And that's what my products did. And so... I partnered with those individuals that, uh, that were doing marketing in the hunting industry and the mountain ops brand was born and the mountains representing the playground we have to play here in Utah, but also more importantly, the, the mountains we face in life and the ops is outdoor performance supplements and utilizing those supplements to help us conquer those mountains. And our, our whole mantra is to conquer more, uh, and to help people understand that, uh, through systems, through processes and through products and a community that comes together, we can help each other conquer more in life. Um, and so that's how Mountain Ops came to be. Initially, my father being the inspiration with that first product, and then it growing and growing through these doctor's offices until it now has expanded into the outdoor space where we, we sell most of our product online through mountainops.com. But we also sell through, you know, Cabela's, Shields, Bass Pro Shops, Sportsman's Warehouses, all the farm and fleet type stores that, that are out there. You'd, you'd find us there as well and through Amazon. And, and it's become an incredible business that's... Uh, providing a great supplement for those that are needing some health and wellness. Uh, but then there's our operation conquer hunger that we do to, to help in the community with children and, and families that are in need as well. It's a great story. I mean, I love, uh, just the whole thing from highs to lows to back up to purpose and everything in between. Um, I love how you said you had six different businesses. So, yeah. you know, it should be encouraging to people that have had multiple business opportunities not go the way they planned, that that doesn't mean you're done. You know, you're yeah. not done until you decide you're done. And who knows what's around the next corner. And most people who have successful businesses, I would say the vast majority, it is not their first business venture. Yeah. You know, very, very rarely does somebody try something and it's just up and to the right. And I think yeah. sometimes if you've never done it before, you think that's how it's supposed to go. So if it doesn't go perfectly, you're like, man, I stink. 
It must be yeah. me. I'm not good at this. Like you were feeling. And uh, it's no, easy to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. You just haven't done it enough yet. Right. It's like the first yeah. time you try to hit a baseball. You, you, most of us missed it a lot of times before we started hitting it. I mean, man, that sport, if you hit it three out of 10 times, well, you're still a, a hall of famer. So yeah, yeah, it takes a lot to do some of these things. And I loved how you talked about overtime too. Um, working really hard and your kids were, just wanted you home. And I heard this the other day and I loved it. It said, the only people who care about how much overtime you put in are your kids. Hmm. And so you think it's so important. And obviously we got to provide for our families. We got to, we got to work hard, but there's a difference between working hard and working so much that your family doesn't know who you are anymore. And they're the ones who are going to notice that um, if you, if you don't get that priority, right. So I love all that. So yeah, no amount of uh, success can compensate for failure in the home. Right. So absolutely. Yeah, it's I, so true. That time and attention is what they want, what they deserve, what they need. And uh, and so, yeah, you've got to find a balance where um, I don't think there's work-life balance. I don't know if it exists. I haven't found it, but I feel like there is intentionality within the time that you're committing to at work and at home and at play, whatever it is. And and giving that when you're in that realm, giving that the, the time and the space that it, that it deserves and requires, especially when there's individuals that matter more than anything else involved, you've got to, you've got to prioritize it. And it's so hard. Like you said, if you're, you're in the business and you're just starting it out and it consumes you. And so even when you're with your family, you may be thinking about your business and what you've got to do next. And, and then you're not really there. And that's why I do appreciate the people that are trying to teach how to be in the moment, how to be in the present, how to, how to focus on where you are. And, and I do think there's great value in that, that when you're at work, be at work. And when you're at home, be at home. Otherwise, yeah. you're not in either place and it's going to drive you crazy. It, there's all kinds of research on that, too, where if your mind is in a different place than where your body is, it creates anxiety. It creates depression. It creates fatigue. It, it does all kinds of things to you compared to being focused on where you are and just having the time yeah. for that. So yeah, good. that's good. Hey, let me ask you about, as you're going through, you mentioned that you like to read and you you read a lot of uh, self-improvement books, business books, leadership books. What are three books you would recommend to help people who are on their quest to find their purpose and change their life? Cool. Uh, Yeah. Three that I I love, and I've got a shelf full over here. We actually do a a book club at Mountain Ops. Every quarter, there's a new book, which... um, you know, I can read a lot more in, in one quarter, but I, I know you and I had this conversation while we were there in uh, North Dakota together. Sometimes you read the book and then you're on to the next book. It's like, what did I read in the last? So learning how to apply that. And that's what we're focused on here at Mountain Ops is taking some time in one piece of literature and, and really applying it um, so that we can build up habits. But there's one called I Dare You. Um, let me, I'm going to forget the author. I've got a stack of them here. It's an old um William, is it William Danforth? Um, old book, I Dare You. And it's a quick and simple read, uh, but it's one that uh, a couple years ago I asked an author friend of mine, hey, what's a good book on goal setting that I can use to kick off the year um, with, my, with my team? And he quickly said, I dare you. And so at the beginning of this book, William Danforth actually says, I dare you to read this today, like finish it today. So I, I ran a little extra. I was actually running at the time when I was talking to this friend of mine. So I just bought it on, uh, on audible 
and I listened to it and I just kept running and running and running until I was done. So it's a smaller book, but it breaks out life into spiritual, physical, mental, and social. And that is the, those are the quadrants of our conquer more challenge at mountain ops that we run within our team for our culture. We focus on goal setting in each of those. And then we actually take that out to our community and help them set goals and, and uh, build upon those. And part of that is recognizing the good that you're doing in those, in those um, quadrants before even saying, okay, what am I going to do next? It's like, Hey, first you gotta, you gotta pat yourself on the back. You gotta recognize the good. You gotta see the divine qualities within each of those and then build upon them. And uh, this book talks to the team. We've been running this conquer more program, focusing on those quadrants of life for, I don't know, six years before I read this book. And then when I read it, I was like, this is speaking to our conquer more. And, and I feel like our conquer more challenge within our t- company here helps bring about like people's purpose in certain realms of life. So I, I would say that one good, quick and easy read um, essentialism by Greg McEwen. Um, I love that book because I feel like just what we're talking about, time and attention, I think that we can become distracted by so many things. There's so much that we could do, but should we do it? And, uh, and there's, a, there's a segment in there where it talks about um, prior, uh, what, what is it? priorities used to just be singular, and it was just priority. And then the, the world is, has added it, you know, as a created as, as a plural uh, um, word now, but it really was just the one thing. And when it all began, there was just one priority. And for me, I look at my life and there's just one thing. And that is my relationship with God. And if I can break it down to just that, and I can understand what God would have me do and remove all the excess. And I focus on essentialism. And even within my business, just remove the excess. What is it? What is it that we need to do? Not should we do? Cause we can do a lot. And it's easy in an organization that has a cool brand, cool product to have shiny object syndrome. We can go after so many things, but we've worked on that as a team. Just let's remove all the clutter, all the excess, and let's focus in on the essentials. And sometimes I feel like that's what allows us as individuals to find our purpose. Remove a lot of the junk, find out who you are, what your passions are, what you like, what your gifts are, and then apply those in a very essential way. Um, And then the last one, and probably my favorite is how will you measure your life by Clayton Christensen? And, um, and we actually have a team member present every single week here at mountain ops, their, how I conquer journey, how they have conquered in life, what they've learned as a child, the mountains they've faced, the things they've, uh, they've done to overcome those mountains or challenges. And then ultimately, you know, how will, how will they measure their life? What do they want to be remembered for? What is the, what is the legacy they're leaving behind? And, um, I think that, uh, you know, if you can look at your life, look at the people in your life how at the end do you want to be remembered? What is the legacy you want to leave behind and, and how will you measure it? I think it's super important for us to, to, uh, to break down and to understand because then we can take directional steps towards that measurement that we hope to achieve. And for me, a lot of that comes down to relationships more than anything. And it's a relationship with God. I will measure my life based off of my relationship with him. I will re- measure my life based off of the the quality time and attention that I gave my children and how I was able to bring about the divine qualities in them and how I was able to connect them to my priority as well, allowing them to have hopefully the same priority in their life. Because at some point I won't be here. I just lost my father uh, a few months back. He had a tragic fall and this whole business was based around him. And I'm, I'm carrying forward what it was based on and who it was based on. And I get to talk about him often when I go and speak at events or whatnot. And, uh, 
in the end, like these relationships are what matters most to me. And it's what he taught me. And now what I feel is true. And now what I want to leave to my children, because I, I won't always be there for them, but there is someone that always will. And that, if I can instill that in them, that's confidence, that's peace in the moment, you know, living in that moment that you just talked about is so, so important. And, uh, and if I can feel that in each of the moments of life, no matter what the distractions are, or clutter or whatever it is, then, then I feel like I'm measuring my life in the right way. So those are three, sorry if I yeah. expounded upon them too much, but three that I really enjoy. Love it. Always love hearing about new stuff. I Dare You by William Danforth. Never read that one. Essentialism. I love that one. I need to go read it again now that you mentioned it. And then How Will You Measure Your Life? I'm looking forward to that. Uh, sound like some great books. I'm going to put the links to those all in the show notes for anybody who's interested in picking them up. And yeah, I just wanted to repeat what we said earlier. That there's There are some people that love to read so much that they never implement anything they read and they're on to the next book. And let's face it, it's easier to read the book than it is to do yeah, the stuff in the book, right? You know, so yep. sometimes we're like, I can't figure out why my life's not getting any better. I've read all these great books. <laughs> well, you have to actually do the stuff that's in the book. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. I would recommend slowing the reading and doing more of the action and you will see yeah. quite a bit of things happen. I mean, that half of my book, uh, that's, that's an exaggeration. A lot of my book, I will stop and say, hey, put the book down now and do this. Yeah. Otherwise, why are you reading it? You know, because it's it's just, it doesn't happen by accident. And uh, our generation doesn't do this, but man, so many young kids I talk to, they just think it's going to come. They just think it's going to yeah. happen. And if you have to work hard, then it must not be the right thing. And I'm like, bro, everything that is good is going to take hard work. Even if yeah. you're gifted at, you think LeBron James doesn't work hard at basketball? He didn't just wake up yeah. playing basketball, you know, but it looks like that because you're seeing this finished product. And, and that's why I tell people who are starting with business. You can't compare yourself. You mentioned comparison earlier. You can't compare yourself as a brand new business person to somebody who's been doing it for 30 years and yeah. say, oh, I'm not as good as he is. Well, of course you're not. You've been doing it for five yep. minutes, you know, so yep. I, I would just encourage people on that too. 100%. That's good. And what's a lesson that you've learned that you think everyone should know? Wow. Just one, huh? <laughs> you can have more than one. Oh, uh, you know what? Um, th- there's a lot, but uh, two, I'll say you're most powerfully positioned to serve the person you once were. And so those perspective moments that you gain in life, it, it, they could be good. They could be bad. There's, they, there could be struggles. There could be achievements, but um, there's somebody walking in shoes that you've once walked in. And there is something very powerful about having gained some perspective that you can then turn back around and find that person and, and lend a hand. You, they rise highest to lift as they go. And so as you're, as you're going and you want to rise high, like make sure to turn back around. And uh, I, with our Operation Conquer Hunger, we're donating meals to children in need for every order that comes through our site. We've donated over 5 million meals. And it started with having experienced the need uh, of food. You know, my wife and I, when we went through those financially struggling times, we experienced hunger. And there's a Bible verse about Jesus taking a few loaves and a few fishes, and he multiplied them for the masses. Well, when we were going through that, we asked God, what are we supposed to be learning from this? This is, we're hungry. This is hard. What, you know? And that scripture stood out time and time again. And so we made a commitment to each other that as soon as we had a few loaves and a few fishes, 
Not when the boat came in full, because we didn't know if it would or when it would. But as soon as we had a few loaves and a few fishes, a few resources, if you will, we would take those and we would try to multiply them. It wasn't for the masses. What God's teaching you, and you're a most powerfully positioned to now serve that person that is in the shoes you were once in. And then on top of that, I would say, let time do the hard work. You can, uh, you can have all the talent in the world. You can have all the resources in the world, but sometimes um, that doesn't matter. You just need to put in the time. And I, I feel like a mission-driven individual has the ability to endure the test of time. And so with that, as you're going about your day-to-day -day -day grind and you're, you're trying to see things happen, it's just not clicking. Like try to see in the moment how you gain perspective and let those moments not pass you by, but take the opportunity to allow time to do the hard work and to learn from it. Um, and like you said earlier, anything good is going to take time. It's going to take effort. Um, I do believe God can move mountains, but I think he expects us to bring a shovel. And sometimes that shovel needs to be big. And sometimes you need to recruit other shovelers to come in and help you. And, and then it, uh, it's amazing what God does to help you move that mountain that's in your way. But, uh, but it comes in the form of, of hard work at times. And, and you just need to let time play a role. Yeah. So help people on your way up, turn around and help people, especially people that are going through what you've been through and you know how to do it and then let time do its work and, and realize it's going to take time. Uh, those are great. I remember, uh, somebody was telling me they were talking to their daughter and their daughter wanted to be a doctor. And the daughter said, you know, mom, I don't think I'm going to do this. I mean, to do everything I would need to do to be the type of doctor I want to be, I wouldn't be a doctor till I was 29. And her mom goes, you know, <laughs> You're going to turn 29 no matter what. So why not be a doctor when you turn 29? Yeah. And I thought it was pretty good. Like you said, right? I mean, yeah. that time, the time's going to go by. What are you going to do with that time? And that, yeah. that's how you can use time to your advantage. Um, so that's awesome. And I love what you're doing yeah. with feeding people. And what a great thing that, like you said, that God didn't waste that time while you're hungry. While you're hungry, excuse me. He, he used it to motivate you guys to do some amazing things yeah. to help even more people who are, who are hungry. So yeah. that's fantastic. Do you have a favorite productivity hack for entrepreneurs? Um, you know, I, I was thinking this morning as I jumped into the uh, cold shower that I often take on, uh, <laughs> on a regular basis, it's one of my goals to take four to five cold showers in the morning. I mean, that, that right there is one. I mean, you don't waste a lot of time. You, um, <laughs> you get in, you get out. And it, honestly, it, it kind of wakes my wakes my brain up. But uh, you talked about being present earlier um, and mindfulness. I I, uh, I do. There's a I need to I need I think it's I can't remember the name of the song, but there is a song and it's just instrumental that when I need to go into a different zone, I put the earphones on and not these ones. We actually have for the team. I'll show you right here. When we brought everyone back after COVID and we said, hey, no more, it, it's actually a hybrid schedule. Monday, Monday and Friday are at home, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday here at the office. And everyone was like, I'm going to be so distracted with everyone in the office. How do I get stuff done? How am I going to be productive? Uh, we went out um, to Skull Candy and we bought these for everyone. And not necessarily that they would use them all day long for everything. But if somebody is in the office wearing these, you, you leave them alone. That's right. That's, they're in the zone. And so we, this is one hack that we've used as we've come back together. Cause a lot of companies have been apart now they're coming back together. A lot of social aspects. It's like, ah, I was getting so much done in a short amount of time when I was at home by myself. 
but there is that element of connection you need to bring back. And that's what we're doing here at Mountain Ops. And so we got everyone these. That's a little hack we've given for the team, put these on. But usually when I put these on, the team knows I'm in the zone. I've got to work on something uh, that's productive. But this song, I think it's called Polaroid, but it's there's no words. It's just this. It's it's like to get me in this mindset. In fact, when I was writing my book, I would turn that song on and repeat. And I just found for me having that on, I could just go to go to town. It would help me focus in the zone. And then putting these on allows other people to know, hey, I'm I'm working on something I need to stay productive on. So maybe that I'll, with a little cold cold shower. <laughs> that's a great one. I mean, when you and I were at our event not too long ago, and I was talking about concentrated focus time. That's exactly what I was talking about. And that is one of my tips too. I'm right there with you. When you put the headphones in, 99% of people are going to leave you alone. There's that one guy that'll come by and tap you on the shoulder. But most people realize, okay, he's either on a Zoom meeting or he's doing some really deep work. I should just leave him alone. It's a great, great hack. Love it. That's right. Yeah, I remember that part of your presentation with, I think it was Bob coming over, right? And and, and interacting and distracting everyone. So yeah, no, I... It's uh, appreciated your counsel in that regard as well. Yeah, everybody's got a Bob. You just got to try to work with them for <laughs> sure. Hey, uh, give us where you would like people go to go to find out more about you, more about Mountain Ops, and uh, I'll get it on the show notes too. But tell us where to go to find you. Yeah, I mean, on my own social media, just it's just my name, Trevor Farns, and on LinkedIn as well, Trevor Farns. Um, I, I usually post on a regular basis through Instagram, which then gets sent over to Facebook. But uh, and then our our company, Mountain Ops, M T N O P S dot com, or that same M T N O P S is our social media handle as well that you can find us on. And yeah, check us out. We've got some exciting things in the work, especially in November. We usually do a lot around our Operation Conquer Hunger. And obviously Black Friday sales and stuff like that. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but um, we've got uh, we've got great content that's thrown out there and really good added value. If people want some wellness tips or whatnot, there's nutrition uh, and fitness routines that are just free added value for people. If they want to have a little more direction for their wellness in life, then uh, they can come and find us there and find some really good um, good tips and tricks. So. Fantastic. I'm going to put all that in the show notes. I'm, I'm guessing that on the social media, you will announce when your book's coming out and where to get it and all that. Yep. We'll, we'll be doing that for sure. Well, hey, man, I appreciate the time. It's great to get to know you a little bit more. Love your story. And thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Uh, this has been fantastic. Fantastic.